0: You are listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today's episode is called Intuitive Eating 101. This is one of my favorite topics, and it's been a lifelong journey for me personally, so I'm very, very attached to intuitive eating. You might have heard a lot of talk about it recently, and if you're wondering what intuitive eating is and what the benefits are, then stay tuned, because that's what we're talking about today. And before you listen to this episode, I might recommend that if you haven't already, go back to the previous episode number 61, where I discussed body intelligence, also known as BQ, because that really sets the scene for intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is a type of body awareness, which is the first pillar of BQ, and it also includes some of the other pillars. Intuitive eating is a concept that was developed by Evelyn Triboli, a dietitian and counsellor, and Elise Resch, a nutritionist. I hope I pronounced those names correctly. They define intuitive eating as a personal process of honouring health by listening and responding to the direct messages of the body in order to meet your physical and psychological needs. Wow. That's so powerful. It's a self-care eating framework and it integrates instinct, emotion and rational thought. The authors of the approach call it a weight neutral model. And when you hear those words, instinct, emotion and rational thought, you notice that what you're doing is trying to change the way that you think and feel about food. By instead trusting your inner signals, your mental and physical signals as a guide for what to eat, how much to eat and when. I've been running a program called Downsize Me for the past several years and a lot of what we do in that program is about intuitive eating. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to speak about this. It's so close to my heart personally and professionally and it's a big part of the training that I've done in metabolic typing and which I've used with hundreds of clients. So let's talk about one of the key concepts here because I think there's possibly room for confusion when we talk about a dieting mentality. One of the things that intuitive eating proposes is to put an end to the dieting mentality and I wanna question what this actually means. What does this mean to you? What would happen if you put an end to the dieting mentality? Is it always appropriate? I've had a bit of internal conflict around this and around the idea of dieting or not dieting for some time. And it took me a couple of months of reflection around this until I got really clear on it. And so I'd like to share my ideas and my opinion on this just to set the scene for what intuitive eating really is. Firstly and foremost, I believe that there are circumstances where it makes sense for some people to follow specific diets. And there are some examples I want to give you. Four examples, actually. Example number one is that many overweight people have a fatty liver and dysregulated insulin, and that makes it hard to lose weight. It makes it hard to get rid of cravings. And in some cases a short period on a specific way of eating might be required to improve insulin sensitivity and to get rid of cravings. Said another way, it's pretty hard to get rid of cravings if you're still eating sugar. And so getting a hold of your insulin first through a short period of specific dieting or a specific way of eating under the Guidance of a professional may be helpful to help you to stay on track. Secondly, some people develop temporary intolerances to certain foods, and this can happen in periods of intense stress, or if you eat too much of a certain food, or if your immune system is triggered. And so, in this case, it makes sense to follow a low stress diet or a low stress eating plan for a short period to allow your body to recover from this inflammatory or reactive state. A lot of nutritionists and dieticians and naturopaths use this approach for people who have hives or who have itchy mouths or swelling, or perhaps their arthritis has gotten worse. There are things that we do to help calm those signs and symptoms down. And so that's another case of where a specific diet for a short period may be useful. Then that leads me to talk about case number three. There are people who have gut health issues, sometimes permanent, and they might need to be either temporarily or permanently be on a specific way of eating, such as a FODMAPS diet or a high-fibre diet or a diet for Crohn's disease or celiac disease, for example. So in these cases... There are certain foods that simply don't sit well with people and it may be a long-term concern. And the fourth situation where a diet may be relevant is that there are people who have chronic lifestyle disease and they might need to follow a specific type of diet to manage their symptoms or conditions so that it doesn't worsen, such as diabetes or the DASH diet for high blood pressure and heart disease. What I'm saying is this. I believe in certain situations that some people do need to have a certain mentality around what they do or don't eat because it may affect their well being. I'm talking about following a certain way of eating for the purpose of gaining specific health benefits or to avoid worsening specific health conditions. And that aside, those circumstances aside, if we look at what the word diet means, It really simply means the kinds of food that a person or animal or community habitually eats. So to be clear, what we're talking about with intuitive eating is that we're aiming to stop being obsessed by food and eating habits. We're aiming to stop unnecessarily restricting ourselves. And we're aiming to stop having negative or harmful thoughts around foods or our bodies. We're aiming to take the emotion out of eating. Even if you have to be somebody who follows a specific type of diet for your health, you can still be an intuitive eater because you're listening to the signals your body's giving you that certain foods are not going to sit well with you. So that said, let's talk about what the 10 principles of intuitive eating are. So that no matter who you are and what your health status is right now, you can find a way to eat in a way that supports good health by listening to what your body needs. Principle number one is to reject the diet mentality. And so as mentioned, this principle is about ignoring the quick fix marketing and solutions that we're sold and the promise that the next diet will work and solve all of your problems and make you feel better about yourself. The truth is when we rely on someone else for the answer, we actually give them our power And your body is designed to give you all of the signals that you need to eat in a way that nourishes and supports good health. It's a built-in survival mechanism. So any specific health conditions aside, you are actually the one who knows what best you should be eating and how to eat. Your body will tell you. Number two, principle number two in intuitive eating is to honour your hunger. So leading from the first point, if we're listening to our bodies, then we must learn to recognize true hunger and to give our body enough of the right kind of foods to quench that hunger. Our bodies use carbs and fat for fuel, and they can also use protein for fuel if the other sources aren't available. And we need to trust that our bodies can do this and will tell us when we're truly hungry so that we can give our body a balanced diet. And the symptoms of hunger are a stomach rumbling, a growling, an empty feeling physically. So if we can learn to honor that hunger and to give ourselves enough food, nourishing food, that would be the second principle of intuitive eating. It's learning how to do those things. Principle three is to make peace with food. We wanna recognize that food is not a reward or a punishment. I've seen this myself, restricting is a surefire recipe for creating guilt, binges and uncontrollable cravings. I had a client once who was eating really well consistently and said, I can't wait until I can go and have a Profiterol. And I said, you can have a Profiterol whenever you like. There's nothing to wait for. You don't have to wait for the end of this coaching program. You can have one right now she had set herself up that I'll do this program for a certain period to change my habits and then I'll reward myself with a profiterole. I said, there's no reward. This is a way of life, listening to your body. Have one if you want, if you feel that that need. And as soon as the permission was given, in a sense, she didn't want the profiterole. She actually took herself to the bakery and looked at them and thought, I don't really want this profiterole. So the problem was not the profiterole, it was the thought process around it. And so it's really important that we allow ourselves to eat healthily in a way that supports our bodies and mind, minds and to use self-compassion when we feel the urges to say, hey, maybe I do need something today. I do want to eat that thing today. And it's okay to do that. Often the romance tied up with a particular food or putting it on a pedestal, is the thing that makes it irresistible. And so taking away that sort of uh, positioning around food can help you to make peace with it. That leads to principle four, challenging the food police. There's no good or bad food. There's no forbidden food or treat food. There's no need to do calorie accounting, as I call it. Applying any of those labels or that intense scrutiny creates guilt judgment and self-loathing in a lot of the cases actually there's just food and food is a fuel and if you think this way about food without any labels it can help you to make peace with food and to eliminate your negative thoughts and feelings about it principle number 5 is to respect your fullness your body will definitely tell you when you've had enough to eat and all you really need to do then is to make the time and space to notice that your body's had enough and you'll naturally stop eating. If you're sitting in front of the TV or eating while you're at your desk or reading a book, then you're going to be distracted from your body's signals. Mindfulness is a tool that can help you to observe this really simple and powerful signal of, I've had enough. And so by switching off distractions and paying attention to what you're eating and how it's feeling, you can learn to stop at a time that's right for you. That leads to Principle Six: discovering the satisfaction factor. And once again, I think this is really about stopping that busy scoffing of the meal, eating on the run, uh, or just not paying attention, because you can end up feeling left wanting for something else. But if you sit and enjoy the meal, the experience of eating, you will feel satisfied with your eating. All you need to do is pay attention to the food and the experience of eating it. And that means noticing the texture, absorbing the colors, tasting the different flavors, the different smells. When you invest time to be mindful about those things, you're going to feel satisfied with the meal and what you've eaten so much more easily. And the chance of you wanting something else after the meal is going to be pretty low. Principle number seven is to honor your feelings without using food. This is a big one for a lot of people. Some of us have been conditioned to reach for food when we're anxious or lonely or bored or stressed, hurt, angry or sad. I've worked with a lot of clients who've said that they were given food when they fell over and hurt themselves or when they had an emotional upset. They were given a treat or something to make them feel better or some cake. And so they've been conditioned into that that behavior, if you like. But as you know, food won't solve the problem and it can make things worse by throwing feelings of guilt into the mix. So there are healthier ways to manage your mind and your emotions and you can use those processes to replace food. That way you can honor your feelings, sit with them, feel compassion for yourself, let those feelings go in a healthy way without having to self-medicate. And that's a really big thing for people to learn how to do. Principle eight is to respect your body. A lot of people think that a healthy body has to look a certain way, it has to be a size eight and a certain height and a certain hair color and all those sorts of things. I found it really interesting to study metabolic typing because it really changed my perception of bodies and body image and what was fit and healthy. In that qualification we learned about the reasons why we're all different shapes and sizes and the fact that we're biochemically unique. If you go back to that basic principle, our bodies, our physical bodies are adapted to the climates that we originated from. People in cold climates tend to have flatter faces and have more body fat to help them resist the cold and survive in the cold. People in mountainous climates tend to be leaner and more muscular. And people in hot climates tend to be taller and thinner and have darker skin. So your people and where they originated from in your genetic situation have an impact on what your physical body is today. And your biochemistry is also created from that same place Wherever your ancestors came from, they had available food sources from those local environments and your body adapted to those. So that's my take on respecting your body. But just to summarize that, really, it's about recognizing that your natural shape and size are okay. You're no better or worse than anyone else. And in fact, I'd like to say that your natural shape and size give you a set of unique strengths and skills. And when you fuel your body with the right foods for your body type to enhance those strengths and skills, you're going to feel really good about your body because you can see exactly what it's capable of. For example, I'm quite a thin body type. I have a small skeleton and I can't lift heavy things or do powerful things, but I can do quite well with endurance or stamina and I tend to do better with slightly more carbohydrate. And I've figured out what my formula is and that's what I do now. It goes against a lot of the things that I was told when I was heavily into the way I looked and felt. But I've learned to realize that my body operates best under certain conditions and I can get so much out of it when I feel my body the right way and when I exercise in the way that suits me. In contrast, I know people that Are no good at endurance, but are really good at power and strength type activities. And we complement each other. There's no better or worse. I'm not better than anybody because I'm skinny, and I'm not worse than anybody because I'm skinny. We all have different strengths and capacities. And respecting your body is not about comparing with anyone else, but understanding what's great about your body what it can do for you, and how you can best use it. Principle number nine is about exercising and feeling the difference. Further to this, each person does best with a different type of exercise. This is me adding on to the intuitive eating framework. They talk about Exercising for more than just losing weight. And I guess I'm adding that your physiology gives you clues as to which exercise might work better for you, but also to consider the level of stress that you're experiencing, your stage of life, and what you enjoy doing. If you're only exercising to lose weight, then you're going to be missing out on a wealth of other benefits like managing stress, getting endorphins, building strength, being flexible, having agility, building stamina, and maintaining your mobility and balance. So this principle is about looking for your other motivators or goals around exercise, things that help you to feel good about exercise. And you'll quickly learn to love it if you do that. Principle number 10 is to honour your health. Finally, remember that nobody has a perfect diet. One meal will not throw off your entire life. If you choose foods that help you to feel strong, clear, capable and well, then you're in the right place. You're honouring your health. And if you do that most of the time, it will make healthy eating so much easier and you'll be able to turn it into a habit that you love. Know that the one or two or three times a week that you don't follow a perfectly healthy diet is totally okay. It's normal. It's human. And it's not going to take you away from your long-term health. So let's just summarise what we've talked about in this episode. I've discussed the 10 principles of intuitive eating with a bit of my take and opinion in there. But to wrap things up, you can see that the principles of intuitive eating really come down to body awareness, body knowledge and body engagement. In other words, they're intrinsically tied with the principles of BQ or body intelligence as discussed in episode 60 of the podcast. The skills and tools that might help you to become an intuitive eater are mindfulness, Thoughtfulness, thought-watching, and thought-change modelling. So changing your relationship with food is more than just making a plan and doing it. It's great to take action, but you also need to unravel a lot of your mental patterns and beliefs so that you can let go of your past behaviours and start taking positive actions in the right direction. If you would like help with intuitive eating or eating in general, you can visit www.melaniejwhite.com and visit my contact page and send me an email. I'm more than happy to talk to you about what you might need and help you find something or somebody to help you get started. Thanks for listening. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode and bye from now.